Luke chapter 22, uh, verse 35. It's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ right before he uh, gets arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He calls his disciples and his disciples are talking about how they're never going to betray him. And of course, he tells Peter, you will betray me. Verse 35, and Jesus, he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes. Now, a purse would be a small bag you'd carry money in, of course. A scrip is a little larger bag. We would call it like a satchel or like a backpack. But he says, uh, when I sent you without purse, that without money, and with scrip, without anything, any kind of bag, any kind of extra stuff you were carrying. When I sent you out without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked you anything? And they said, the disciples said, nothing. Then said he unto them, but now he that hath the purse, let him take it. And likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this is that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Father, that as we... Coming to this service, Lord God, that Jesus Christ will be glorified and lifted up in every way this morning, Lord God. I pray, Father, for all our loved ones that aren't able to make it in, up here this morning, Lord God. A lot of them are on the highways and byways, Lord God. I pray, Father, a hedge of protection and travel and mercies for them, Lord God. I pray, Father, that some of them, Lord God, are at home uh, not feeling well, Lord. I pray, Father, for your healing hand, Lord. And, Lord, they want to serve you, Father. I pray, you, Lord, you get them off that bed of affliction, that they can continue to serve you, Lord. And, but, Father, well, Lord, we're here, and we want to serve you, Lord God. We want to hear from you, Lord God. As we sit at your feet this morning, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct us into all truth, Lord. We pray, Father, that... Uh, we might learn more about Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray, Father, personally, Lord, if there's somebody that's listening this morning that doesn't know, has never put their trust in Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, Father, we pray, Lord, this morning they'll make that decision and get saved, Lord. And I want to thank you personally for my salvation I have in Jesus. And I'm praying all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So this morning I want to talk about and preach on this morning the most dangerous thing you own. The most dangerous thing you own. Now, when you say that to most normal people, you say, hey, what's the most dangerous thing you own? The first thing they think of is a gun. Now, here, these verses, the reason why I bring these verses up, and I want to start out with these verses, is because it shows you that the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching them for self-defense. There's nothing wrong with a man or a woman defending themselves in self-defense. And he's saying, hey, there was a time I sent you out. I didn't send you out with a sword, but now it's time to go buy you a sword. Go get you a sword. You're going to need one. You're going to be fighting. You're going to have to be defending yourself. And the Lord always, there's nothing wrong with self-defense. There's nothing wrong with owning a gun to protect your family. I think every man has a right and has a, has a duty to, to protect his family, protect his children, and whatever that is. If you're relying on the cops to get there, you're waiting on them to get there late and that's what they'll tell you any cop will tell you that if you're relying on me to protect you i'm showing up after it's too late what you need is you need a way to protect yourself when somebody's trying to come in your house there's nothing wrong with that but when you say guns people go absolutely nuts about that we're living in the day age and it seems like every time you turn on the news somebody's gone crazy and shot somebody and killed somebody and not just one person they go in and they kill 50 people or 20 people or 10 people or 8 people it seems like every day somebody, and what they and I know it's cliche to say this but we got to keep in mind that those guns are not killing people it's the people behind the people that's killing people guns don't kill people it's the people that, it's the people that kill people 
I know that for a fact there's men and, there's women and women in this church right now this morning that have a gun on them. Nobody in here is scared. I don't want anybody scared about that. I was at a restaurant, a local restaurant, and the waitress was carrying a gun on her side while she was waiting on us. Me and Brother Collins were in there, and he pointed, and there it was. There was a gun. She had a gun on her side. I didn't even notice it. And did I get scared? No. He just laughed about it. He goes, look at that. And I thought, man, I hope I left a big enough tip. That's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> I want to make sure, did I leave a big enough tip? You know, when you have somebody carrying a gun like that, you're like, well, I don't know if the point is, is that guns are not what's killing people. It's the people in this country that are not spiritually right and mentally right. Amen. It's the people. And we forget about that. We start thinking about, we start focusing on the sword. We start focusing on the gun. It's the people. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I want to point that out. So I want to, I want to, I'm, I'm saying all this to say this. When I say the most dangerous thing you own, the first thing that's going to come to most people's mind is a gun. And I'm telling you, that's not the most dangerous thing you own. It can be if it's misused, if it's not used properly. It can be. It is a weapon. But the truth is, is that if you took away, if you had a magic wand and you could go poof and take all the guns out that ever existed, make them disappear, which is impossible. If you could do that, people would still pick up stones and clubs and beat each other to death. The first murder, er, the first murder was done by Cain and he didn't have a gun and he shot Abel with. He just rose up and he killed him out in the field. The problem is the people. And these celebrities, are you going to see them? Now that you're going to see them, and guys, don't think nothing of it. Because uh, don't think nothing. They're going to go on TV, and these celebrities are going to screech, and they're going to cry. We need more gun control. I'm telling you, and listen to me, every one of those celebrities, they have an armed security guard with a gun on their side protect them 24 hours a day. And they're telling y'all, y'all need to get rid of y'all's guns, but while my people, they protect me, they get to keep their guns. Don't listen to a word they say. But guns are not the most dangerous thing you own. Turn to James chapter 3. I'll show you what the most dangerous thing is you own. This is the most dangerous thing you own. James chapter 3. Starting in verse 1 and 2. James chapter 3. Here's the most dangerous thing you own. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. James chapter 3 verse 2. For many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small hem, whithersoever the governor listeth. You got this huge ship, and if you think about it, he says, that, that ship is controlled by this little bitty, uh, the rudder on the back, that little bitty rudder. That big old massive horse is controlled by that little bridle. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The most dangerous thing you own is your tongue. Amen. <laughs> The most dangerous thing, and a little kid owns it, and a hundred-year-old man can own it. It's your tongue. You know, there's some uh, denominations that teach you need to get a new tongue. You need to pray for a new tongue. And I love what Brother uh, James Lentz said. Brother James Lentz says, you don't need a new tongue. You need a bridle for the one you got. 
<laughs> Amen. Amen. That's what that verse 2 says. Brawl at the whole body. Keep your hand here, but just turn back to chapter 1, verse 26. Same book. James chapter 1, verse 26. Look what James says here in verse 26 of chapter 1. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. If you're not keeping your tongue under control, you're not controlling your tongue, you don't, you're lying to yourself. Go back up to verse, chapter 3, verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member. It's just a little thing. But we all own one. And boasteth great things. We like to say your mouth is writing a check that your body can't cash. Amen. I, I've seen that so many times. Some little bit old guy, I'll whip him and I'll do this, that, and another. Hey, man, your mouth is writing a check your body can't cash. It's a little thing. It sure, that tongue sure is little, but it boasts a lot, doesn't it? Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. I've seen one words. I've seen a word like sorry, like sorry, diffuse a very volatile situation. I've seen one word like whatever cause a war. Just one word. One word. I'm in situations with one word where God just says sorry. And it just, you just feel it, just everything calms down. And I've seen one word where a guy goes, whatever. <laughs> and this, there it is, fist fight going on. How great a matter a little fire kindleth. The most dangerous thing you own is your tongue. Look at verse 6. Let's see what the Bible says about our tongue. And the tongue is a fire. <laughs> it's a fire. There's nothing more dangerous than a fire. It's a fire. What, is it, what do we know about fires? Fire burns people. A fire will burn you. I was out cooking the brisket yesterday and was trying to get the, the, get the brisket going again and was trying to get the fire going again. And of course, I threw on, this is how stupid I am. I threw on all this uh, lighter fluid, threw it on there and everything, and it's not lighting up. And I'm thinking, man, that lighter fluid, it has such a low combustible Point. It has such a like I'm some smart guy, you know, like I'm some kind of scientist. It has such a low combustible, and I had my little lighter thing. I went, and it singed my hair and my arms all the way up here. And I was like, it's like, fire's dangerous. Your tongue is dangerous. It'll burn you. And you know what else you know about fire? Fire's unquenchable. It doesn't ever stop. It doesn't have enough. It's always going, 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 going. Never has enough. A tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. A world of iniquity. A world of iniquity. Your tongue loves to boast about bad things it's done. Anybody who has a job, anybody that works out in the world knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you're trying to live a Christian life. You're trying to do what's right. And it's hard enough. We can't do what's right. Amen. We're trying to. And it's such, such a battle. And then you go to work. And you hear men and women. And they just talk about some of the most nasty stuff around you. And all the stuff they're doing. And you're like, man, why don't y'all just shut up? I don't want to hear this stuff. And, and there's been times I've been at work where I've been sitting around. And I mean, literally, I've been at work. And I'm hearing people talk. And it's all men. And I say, what am I doing here? I should just quit this job, right? And I should just walk away. Say, so I quit. You know why I want to quit? It's over a tongue. It's over the tongue, men's speech, what men are saying. 
If you know anything about serial killers, if you, if you study out serial killers, that's the thing they love to They love to talk about all they've done. They love to talk about all the murders, how they've done it. Why they love to brag on it. That's the tongue. It's a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. <laughs> that little tongue of yours can make your whole body defiled. Jesus Christ said in Matthew 15, listen to this. This is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not that which goeth in the mouth defileth the man. It's not what you eat. It's not what you're putting in your mouth. Not, what, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Amen. You know what God says? Jesus Christ says about defiling. You know, oh, that person is no good. That person is defiled. It's what's coming out of your mouth that's defiling you. It's defiling your whole body. I was reading about the story of John. You know how much I love John Wesley? John Wesley was telling a story about some other Methodists, and they had been arrested, and they had been put on a wagon, and they had carried up to the magistrate, and they got up to the magistrate. The magistrate's like, what do you have these guys up here for? And, the, and one of the guys that had arrested them said, well, uh, this, this, these guys right here, they converted my wife. And before they converted my wife, she just talked and talked and talked. And now that my wife's converted, she's as quiet as a lamb. And that magistrate said, you, send those, you free those guys and you send them back so they can convert everybody's wife in the parish. <laughs> oh. let, him, let them go. Let them go. Let them go convert all our wives. The most dangerous thing you own is your tongue. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's an old saying. That's a saying straight out of hell. I've been hurt a whole lot more by what people have said to me. Just little words. Just little words have cut me like a knife. Brothers and sisters, let me, let me go so far as to say this. I'm up here this morning because at the places I've been before, even the 15 years I've been out here at Indian Gap, the, place, the places I've preached at before I came out here, there was somebody somewhere, a brother or a sister, that came up to me and said something like this. You did a good job. Brother Keegan, I appreciate you. I could feel God using you. And that was an encouragement to me. That maybe the Lord can use me. But if there were some brothers and sisters that came up to me and said, No, you're not doing a good job. You're not doing it. It don't matter what kind of calling God had in my life. It would be hard to live to be a good pastor, to be a good preacher, to keep going when you have somebody who's always just beating you down, beating you down, beating you down. And they're going to beat you down, not physically, but with their words. Look at verse 6. That it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. It says it sets on fire the course of nature. What that means is, is that your words are a spark. Your words are a spark. Brothers, your words, and sisters, your words are a spark that can spark something that can destroy somebody's life, or your words are a spark that can spark something that can grow into something really beautiful. That's how dangerous your tongue is. Your tongue is so dangerous, you can, you can literally change a per person's uh, life with your very words. There's kids that are distraught today. There's kids that are mentally handicapped. There's kids that are mentally distressed because they had parents that with their words were whipping them and beating them. 
We got a society that says, don't you touch your kid with the belt. But the most dangerous thing you're doing with your kid is the things you say to your kids. It's little sparks. Just little sparks. I was reading about this uh, little girl. She, <laughs> she came across a lawyer, and the lawyer was talking to her, and, a, and that little girl wouldn't say nothing to the lawyer. And he thought, well, that's a strange little girl. And he went on, and later on, he ran into the little girl's mom a couple days later, and he said, hey, I ran into little Susie. I ran into your daughter. And she goes, oh, yeah, Susie told me she ran into you, but she said, she said that she heard that you charged uh, for talking to people, so she didn't have any money that day, so she wasn't going to talk to you. <laughs> that's a lawyer for you. Yeah, she wasn't gonna. She didn't have any money, so she couldn't pay you. Talk to you that day. Set on fire. The course of nature. Verse six tells us the, tells us the fifth thing, and it's set on fire of hell. You getting the idea yet? The Bible's pretty strong about it. Your tongue is a fire, is a world of iniquity, defileth the whole body, set it on fire. The course of nature. On top of all that, James says it's set on fire of hell. That's pretty strong. You're worried about the guns. You're worried about the knives. You're worried about... You need to be worried about your tongue. People need to be worried about their tongue. And we're not done with this. The Bible's real strong. Your, your, your tongue is set on fire of hell. It's hellish. This stuff drives me crazy because so, the focus in America is so much on the physical side of things, on... We need to do something physically. We need to wear our masks. We need to take this vaccine. We need to get away with, get, you know, do away with all the guns. We need to do all this. The problem with America is the people. It's the spiritual side of the people. These people are nuts. And I was out, I was out last week. I couldn't believe this. This gave me a little bit of hope for America. Because I was out... And I'm driving up, and I'm picking up a pile of brush. Here comes this kid. Y'all seen those little cars? That they're, they're like a little, they're little Jeeps and the little electric cars, you know, and little kids can get in them, you know? And the little bitty cars, they're, they're electric. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They have little Jeeps and little cars. You know, you buy them, a little kid drives around in them. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? All right. I'm always mad about it because I see these little boys and they're driving around and it's like My Little Pony, you know. And they have like My Little Pony, pink little Jeeps and all that, you know. And man, this week, this kid had a tank. <laughs> I'm not lying. He had the full barrel and here he comes around the... And has a tank, had a machine gun up there, you know. He could... He, he can kill everybody, you know. Here he comes in there. It looked just like a tank. I'm like, man, that's cool. I want one of them, man. And we got to looking at this kid's little tank, and he goes, he comes up there, and he's watching. He, oh, he shuts it down. Oh. He's watching us pick up that brush. And then when we're done, he's, and his dad comes out, and I'm telling his dad, man, that thing is cool. He goes, yeah, isn't it? The dad was just had this glow in his face. His dad goes, man, and that thing shoots. I'm like, get out of here. He goes, no, it's got these little, like, Nerf things, and you put it in the cannon, and poof, it'll shoot it out. I'm like, oh, man, I would have killed to have that as a kid. But you know there's some women across the street there probably that were going, oh, no, he's teaching his kid to be a murderer. Oh, he's tall. That kid's going to love life. <laughs> I was so poor, we'd, we'd, just find, who, we'd fight over the best stick in the neighborhood. <laughs> we did. 
I said, why are y'all fighting over the stick? Because it looked like the gun. We didn't have money to buy guns and all, anything like that, play guns. We'd buy, the stick would shape like that. It looked like a machine gun. And we were literally almost getting a fist fight, so who got to have that gun? And you're always waiting for the trees to get knocked down, the limbs come out of the trees to get better guns. Man, if I had something like that, man, I'd feel like a millionaire. There's hope for America. There's hope. I'm not worried about that kid. To me, that's a kid that's going to be happy. If anybody who's been in school knows anything about schools, you can't do this at school. That'll get you, that'll get you sent home. If you make a sign like a pistol like that, that'll get you sent home. You can't play cops and robbers. You can't play cowboys and Indians. I guess that's politically incorrect. The Indians are the bad guys. Man, I don't know how kids even have fun anymore. I guess they don't, do they? Do they not have fun anymore at school? Y'all, what do y'all do, just fist fight out in the yard, or what do y'all do for fun? Y'all do anything for fun anymore at school? No, yeah, see? It's set on fire hell. That's our tongue. That's what we need to be worried about. It's our words. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. <laughs> I know this to be true. No man can tame it. There's no way we can stop what we say. I don't know, uh, if you go into my office at, at home, I've got a little office, I do a lot of my studying in. I've got uh, found verses and I'll print them out on my computer and, and tape them up. You know that like nine out of ten verses that are taped up around my computer are all about this tongue right here? Or verses I found in Proverbs and songs about, Psalms about controlling your tongue, controlling your words, controlling what you say. You know why I put all those up there? Because that's my main fault. I can't control this tongue. I can't tame it. I can't tame it. We need to take God's advice. Take a tip from God. When he made the ear, it isn't made to close. But the mouth has been made to close. God made us with the ear that's open all the time. We should be listening. And our mouth is made to, to close. There's some people, if you take an x-ray of their jaw, it would be a movie picture because it's moving all the time. Amen. I know some people that talk so much that uh, they could do mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation over a phone. That's how much they talk. You know, there's some times people call me and I won't answer my phone because I know what's going to happen. I don't want to be stuck on the phone, so I just won't answer it. Well, that's kind of rude, isn't it, Pastor? Well, I don't want to hear it. Right? I, I don't want to talk for 400 hours. Sometimes we just need to shut up. Shutting up's a good thing, amen? Amen. amen. I, I got one amen. That's okay. Keep a mouth shut. You can't get in trouble when you're not talking. You know, the Bible says you'll be counted wise if you keep your mouth shut. Have you ever been around a bunch of other men and they're talking about something you don't know nothing about? Like maybe they're talking about fixing some diesel engine or something like that. And you're sitting there and they're talking about that and you're sitting there going, yeah. Don't say nothing. Just like, just shake your head like this. And they're like, man, Keegan knows all about that. I don't know anything what they're talking about. I'm sure not, and then, it, well, because what, have you ever been around a bunch of men that's talking about something, and then that one guy, the big dummy, opens his mouth up and goes, well, yeah, I'll tell you about this, blah, 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 and you're like, that guy don't know what he's talking about. 
You'd be wiser to keep your mouth shut. They don't know what you don't know. Amen? When you don't talk, they don't know you don't know. Tongue can no man tame. It is an unru unruly evil. Verse 8, it is an unruly evil. It's like a wild criminal running on the streets. You can't control it. It's unruly. Is this true? All this is true. It's worse than a criminal running the streets. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Your tongue? Yeah, your tongue. Deadly poison. There's, a, there's parents that would never, ever... There's parents, listen to me. There's parents that would never, ever give poison to their kids. But they poison their kids every day with the words that they say to them. Stop acting so stupid. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're... I remember when uh, little Keegan, I had little Keegan, and I'd say, man, he's acting like a little monster. And man, my aunt jumped all over me like a rooster on a June bug. Don't you say that to him. And she jumped all over and embarrassed me. I'm like, what? She said, don't you say it to him. He's not a little monster. Don't call him a monster. She knew more than I knew as a young man. He's a prince. He's something special. Don't, don't even joke around like that. Those words are powerful. Amen. Your words are powerful, guys. People have said just a few words to me that have changed my life. And people have said words to me that have cut me like a knife. It's full of deadly poison. Hadn't you had a parent or a grandparent or somebody that's older than you, an old-timer tell you, if you can't say anything nice about somebody, don't say nothing at all. Amen. I was reading, because I'm always studying this stuff. I used to preach this sermon every year. <laughs> Not this sermon, but a sermon on our tongue, because it's so important. And I've kind of got lackadaisical about it. You know why I got lackadaisical about it? Because my tongue has been like this. And this convicts me. I need to keep my mouth shut. But I've studied a lot of this stuff. And I've studied it where they say, you know, where if a, per, if a kid isn't good at sports, you say, well, they tried hard. Or if they're not good at, at uh, studying at school, you say, well, they don't cheat. You know, you come up with something good to say about them. And then I thought about that and I said, well, what if they're lazy at sports and what if they're lazy at studying? And we know what came out of my mouth? They're a lazy bum. <laughs> That's what came out of my mouth. I'm in the office, in my office, by myself. I'm looking at that and I said, well, because they're a lazy bum. That's exactly what it's telling me not to do. <laughs> That's what comes out of my mouth. Well, because they're a lazy bum. I love what Brother Packer used to say about his mom. He said there was a sorry, no good guy that lived down the, down the road from him. I don't know if he beat his wife or what it was. The guy was, nobody liked him. But she would always say, she goes, yeah, when they were, people talk bad about him, she goes, yeah, but that man sure can whistle. She had always found something nice to say about him. But man, man that sure, man, man sure can whistle. You know, when you, uh, you're around a bunch of men like we are at work, there's some men you're like, that guy is sorry, no good, that guy, you know, he can't work, he's this, that, and another. I mean, you could come up with a million reasons why that guy is sorry, no good. And it amazes you when you get to around him, you'll find out something, you're like, wow, that guy can actually, he's an artist. He can paint like nobody's business. Or maybe he can play a guitar, or there's some talent that you think, oh, that guy's, and he's got a talent, you're like, whoa. Words are powerful. 
Therewith, verse 9, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Wow. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I hate him. I hate him. I wish he'd die. You know, that's what he's saying. You know, God made man and made me and you after his image. We studied that this morning in Sunday school. So when you're cursing man, it's like you're cursing God. When you're talking bad and running down a man or a woman, it's like you're running down God. They're made in his image. Out of the same mouth, verse 10, proceedeth blessing and cursing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Hey, it shouldn't be that way. I like what the mobsters say. The mobsters say, you kiss your mama with that mouth? So many of us, we try to live the right kind of life. And if we can learn to control our tongue, that'll go a long way, brothers. Listen to me. If you can learn to control your mouth and control this wicked, evil tongue, the most dangerous thing you own, if you can learn to control this tongue, it'll go a long way to helping you in your Christian walk. Because you know what you'll find out? You won't be backbiting. You won't be talking bad about people. You won't be just exploding. Nine times a ten, it starts right here with your mouth. Just, Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Not supposed to. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both of your salt water and fresh. You can't have it both ways. I wrote in my Bible right here a little cussing. One cuss word will destroy a thousand good words. I can go six months at work trying to talk to people about Jesus Christ, talk about the Lord, doing a good job, and one time, one time mess up and say one wrong word, and that's all they're going to remember. That's all they're going to remember. And trust me, they'll remind you, oh, I, I heard Keegan cuss one time, and he says he's a preacher. Now forget about the million other words I said about Jesus Christ. I only remember that one word that when I, I dropped that thing on my thumb and I, you know, it just all comes out. Is that right? No. I'm not joking around like I'm, I, I'm, I was right to say that. I'm telling you, that's what, that's life. Why is it that way? Because our tongue is evil. It is the most dangerous thing you own. Because you can destroy lives with it and you can heal lives with it. It's so dangerous. It's so very dangerous. But there is a solution to this. Turn to Matthew chapter 15. Turn to Matthew chapter 15. I'll give you the solution. The Lord Jesus Christ gives us the solution. I'm just going to show you in the Bible where it's at. Matthew 15, 17. <clears throat> Matthew 15, 17. You know, it's all in the way you say things, brothers and sisters. You can say something the right way, and it makes all the difference. Amen? Matthew chapter 15, verse 17. Because in Colossians chapter 4, Paul tells us, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. It's all how you say it. Listen, we don't want to, hey, we don't want to lie. Nobody here wants to be a liar. We know that, we know we're not supposed to be liars. We, we want to tell the truth. But living in society, living in the life we do, people are so easily offended and people are so, we don't want to hurt people's feelings that when somebody like gives us something like a really nice cake that they spend a lot of time on 
and you get that cake home or that pie home or that dish home and you get it home and you, you get your spoon out and you're real excited and you taste it and you're like, this is the nastiest stuff I've ever had in my life. Right? Now this is nasty. I've seen y'all out there in the back there in the we have, the, we, have, we have those fellowship meals, and I've seen some of y'all take a bite of something, and it's almost like put it in a napkin, you know. And a, well, you go back and look at all the plates, and there's, yeah, y'all don't lie to me. Y'all, y'all can fool some people. I know what's going on there. Well, a pastor had that happen to him. A pastor had that to happen to him. A pastor had it happen to him. Well, this lady brought him a pie. She's the worst cook in the church. His wife's like, what are you going to tell her? You can't lie to her. You can't lie to her. God, you know. You can't lie to her. You know, his wife was like the little devil. You can't lie. You can't lie. <laughs> so what, what does he do? Next, next Sunday, he sees, he sees, a, sees a light. She comes up and she goes, Oh, oh, how'd you like the pie, Pastor? How'd you like my cooking? How'd you like the pie? He said, uh, Sister, a pie like that, it don't last long around my house. Because <laughs> it goes right into the trash. <laughs> he didn't finish it off. It don't last long around my house. Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah, baby, because it goes into the trash. Matthew 15, 17. Do you not, excuse me, do you not yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goes into the belly and is cast out into the drop? Whatever you put in your mouth is going down into the sewer. Verse 18. This is course Christ speaking. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. There you go. It's a heart problem. The reason why you're talking to people that way is because you've got a heart problem. If your heart's right with God, you'll talk to people right. You'll find somehow, some way to say something nice to them. You'll find somehow, some way to lift them up with words. You'll find some way to say, hey, I know you failed, I know, but don't worry about it. Keep, pick yourself back up. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. You're, I know you're not very good at this, but man, you're good at playing a piano. You're good. Whatever it is, you'll find a way to help lift them up. But if you've got a heart problem, you're going to find a way with your words to try to kill them, poison them, bite them, get them. The Lord says in verse 19, for out of the heart... Proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Have you washed your hands? Have you took a bath? Have you brushed your teeth? Have you, have you kept clean? Have you put your mask on? Have you? Oh, 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 oh. It's your heart. I'd much rather be around some sorry, no good, filthy man that has a good heart than to be around some Christians that are so wicked-hearted. Amen. Amen. Guys, I've been around some good drunks. They can drink you under a table, they stay drunk half the time, but they got a heart like gold. They would never steal from you, they would never take anything from you. If you needed help, they'll come over your house, help you move, help you build something. Help you do. And they would never come into church. You know why they would never come into church? Because they don't think they belong there. They know they're wrong. They got a heart to know that they're not right. And we got Christians that live, and that some people that are not Christians that come into the church that they got such a wicked heart that they justify everything they've ever done and everything they're ever going to do, they justify it in their heart and they come in and they're wicked. Wicked. 
Christ talked about this with the Pharisee. He said the Pharisee shows up and he says, God, I'm glad I'm not like this man. I tithe twice a week. I, I fast. I do everything you want me to do. And he was bragging on himself. And then that wicked sinner was way off. And that wicked sinner was saying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm sorry, no good. And Jesus Christ says, that wicked sinner went down more justified than the Pharisee. That's modern day churches. Guys, you can tell what's going on in a man's heart by what's coming out of his mouth. But what he's saying. Look at Matthew 12. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 34. It's all about how you say it. You can, you, the, the truth can be said in two different ways. And it's still the truth. People don't get that. People think, well, I, I got, he, he had to hear the truth. I just told him the truth. I don't know why they're so mad. Well, there's two different ways of saying it. You can say it with grace, or you can say it with a hateful heart. It was a king. Had a dream of his teeth falling out. And this king had a teeth, had a dream, and all his teeth fell out. He says, I want to know what this dream means. So he brought in the soothsayers. First soothsayer comes in. First soothsayer says, King, this dream is a bad dream. All your relatives are going to die. All your relatives are going to die. And the king got mad at the soothsayer and said, Run him out. Get him out. I don't want to hear no more from him. Bring me in somebody else. The other soothsayer came in. The other soothsayer came in. He said, This dream rejoice, O king. This is a great dream. You're going to live a very long life. You're going to live so long, you're going to outlive all your relatives. And the king's like, glory to God. That's the same thing. He said the same thing. It's how you look at it. If you look at it with a wicked heart, that's how you're going to talk about it. If you look at it with a righteous heart, with a clean heart, with a graceful heart, with a heart full of love, you're going to say it the right way. That's why the only perfect man you're ever going to meet is a mother's son. Is a mother's son. Because a mother has a heart for that kid that you'll never have and never understand. And they just love and love and love. And when that kid's messed up, there was a parent there in Brownwood, her her son was a murderer, had the DNA, completely convicted to the very last moment before he was put to death. She's like, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. I know he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Everything said he did it. Everybody said he did it. All the evidence said he did it. But you know what the mother said? He didn't do it. He didn't do it. What causes somebody to be that way? A heart that has love. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. If you got the right heart, when somebody does something, you'll be able to say, hey, I forgive you. Just let it go. Don't worry about it. You pick yourself up. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay if you have the right heart. But if you have the wrong heart, those, that tongue, guys, is so dangerous. I'm going to get you. I hate you. Here's the answer, verse 34, Matthew 12, 34. Oh, generation of vipers. There you go, right there. What's a viper? A viper tries to kill you with his mouth. That's what he just called them, a viper. Christ says, oh, generation of vipers? That's something that tries to kill you with your mouth. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
Whatever's going on in your heart, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. That's how you judge people. Verse 35, well, here's the answer. Christ gives you the answer to all that. Here's the solution. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Here's the answer. Here's the solution. Christ gives it to us in verse 35. Good treasure of the heart. You need to treasure up in your heart good things. You need to have your heart on good things. Put good things in your heart. Good ideas, good thoughts. It's very, very important to have good ideas and good thoughts. When you have these negative things in your heart and you start getting really negative in your heart, you need to say, Lord Jesus Christ, take this away. I know whatever happens, I could die today, Lord, and you're going to give me a place in heaven. Man, it's going to be so beautiful, Lord. Make that real to me, Lord. Make that real to me. I don't want to be negative, Lord. And let the Lord fill you up with that good treasure. The good treasure. Man, we got the best thing going in Jesus Christ. We should be the last people to be whipping out our vipers' tongues and trying to bite people with our mouths. We should be helping people, seasoning the words with grace, seasoning with salt, just be good, just saying those good words. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart. Store up good thoughts, good words, good deeds, good ideas. Just make it all good. I know this is like a think positive message, but really in serious truth, you've got to get your heart right with God. Get the, get the love working in your heart, and it'll come out. You can't control your tongue, amen. We just saw that. James 3. We, right, no man can tame that tongue. So if your tongue is untamable, in other words, it's going to do it. What you got to do is, since you can't control it, you got to make sure when it does get out of control, the, it's, what it got to draw from, from your heart, is good things. I'd much rather be known for saying, well, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have lifted them up. You shouldn't have been positive to them. They don't stand a chance. I'd rather tell somebody they stand a chance when they don't stand a chance than to come to them and look them in the face and say, you don't stand a chance. I'd rather be over positive. I'd rather be over encouragement than to be any kind of discouragement. But man, when you look at your heart and you put that evil stuff in your heart, you're watching movies all the time, they're just cussing, and, and, and you got all that nasty stuff going on, you're just treasuring up that bad stuff in your heart. You know what's going to come out? That stuff's going to come out. You see that in kids. A kid that, you, you'll see a kid watch TV. We had a kid in our family that watched TV, and he... And, Never been around cussing his entire life. Heard somebody cuss on TV. He was running through the house cussing. Just cuss, 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 cuss. His parents were terrified. My cousins were terrified over that. Something, was, something had been treasured into his heart. and It wasn't any good. And it comes right out of your mouth. Hey, let's close with verse 36 and 37. Close in 36 and 37. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account of thereof in the day of judgment. That's why it's the most dangerous thing you own, guys. Because you're going to have to give account of every word you say. Every idle word. Not every just major word. Every idle word. For by thy words, thou shalt be justified. By thy words, thou shalt be condemned. That's why it's the most dangerous thing. Somebody can pick up a gun and they can shoot and kill you. That's dangerous. We know that's dangerous, but that's not the most dangerous. Because all they can do, Christ says, is kill your body. They can't kill your soul. The Lord God has control of your soul. And your soul is controlled by verse 37. 
What does your words come out? Did you, the, your words, how do you get justified by your words? I take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You know, the Bible says uh, in, in, in Luke there, I think it's in, verse, uh, in chapter 19, he says, I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth. The, the Bible implies that God's going to judge you out of your own words. That's why it's so important, guys. If you do anything about the Lord God, talk about the Lord God being merciful, being gracious, being loving, being kind. I brag on God all the time. I'm like, God, thank you for not sitting on a throne of condemnation. Lord, thank you for sitting on a throne of grace. Lord, thank you for being kind, being merciful. Because when I meet my God, I want him to say, you know what? You said I was merciful. You said I was kind. You said I was loving. And I'm, that's how I'm going to judge you. But some people say, God's harsh, God's mean, and God said, that's how I'm going to judge you. By thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. God's going to use your own words to condemn you in the end. A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and steal. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen the stress. A loving word may heal and bless. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I know I've got an uncontrollable tongue, Lord, and I pray, Father, you forgive me for it, Lord. And Father, I pray this tongue to be used to glorify Jesus Christ and not to be just running my mouth, Lord, like I do about the government, about my fellow man, Lord. And Lord, help me understand. By this, by, only by your grace, Lord, I'm not like that. And Lord, it's only by your grace, Lord, that I'm not going to hell. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that's fighting their mouth, fighting their tongue, Lord God, that you would give them the grace and the mercy, Lord God, to get through it, Lord. Give them the strength, Lord. Give them wisdom. And Father, I pray, Lord God, help us to store up those good things in our heart, Lord God, that when the day comes where our mouth's going to run, Lord, that it only has, a, can, only has a fuel to run on good things, Lord, and not on evil. And Lord, I pray, Father, you'd forgive us when we've hurt somebody, Lord. I pray, Father, that if we, we have said something that's not gracious, Lord God, it would fall on deaf ears. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for your love and mercy in these people, Lord God, that come out this morning, Lord. I pray you bless them, Lord. I pray you remember them and write them in your book of remembrance, Lord. And if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, that they come on down and get saved. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But 
verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.